You're in the right place. Hello, I'm Dan Harris. Hi, and I'm Claudia Kostler. You're over here, over there. Hi, Dan. Great to hear you. How are you? There is one topic everyone is talking about these days that kind of links your country of origin, the States, and mine, Germany, the death of Henry Kissinger. I mean, younger listeners might not be too familiar with his name and profile, uh, but I remember my parents and grandparents passionately discussing whatever this American diplomat, and I think he was a political scientist too, did and said over decades. So as far as, far as I understand it, Kissinger has been highly influential in shaping the U.S. foreign policy, especially during the Cold War era. And uh, the fact that he was a German-born um, brought everything he said and did even closer to home, literally, for at least my family, kind of. Um, now that he's passed, a lot has been written and said about him and eulogies and everything. But as a German, I'm curious how you, Dan, as a American and expert thought and think about his work and politics and his legacy. His story is one of these immigrant stories that Americans love to hear uh, about someone who's come from Europe or abroad and made it and made it big in, in the United States. It's a, a, you know, rags to riches kind of story uh, that is typical of, of, of immigrants that in which we mostly all are in the United States. And Kissinger was no, no different. Fleeing the Nazis in uh, 1938 as a 15-year-old and making his way to the States and doing quite well for himself, going to Harvard and getting a PhD there in political science and then moving on into government and serving presidents from JFK early on in his career to Johnson and then to Nixon and really found a home, though, um, advising the Republican presidents mostly. But he worked with each administration, uh, both Democrat and Republican. So he had quite an influence, especially during his time with Nixon and then under the Ford administration. And he really, really set the tone post-war of how diplomatic relations are carried out and acted upon in the U.S. He really was put the template, put the stamp on U.S. foreign policy. So he, more so than any other Secretary of State or any other actor, you know, he had tremendous power. And I can understand why he is so, I'm not sure if the word is admired, but certainly if I were someone in Germany, um, I would be very proud to hear that one of, one of our citizens has gone to another country and done so well and made it through the ranks of, of that society, as Kissinger did. I knew that opinions on Kissinger were and are diverse, but at least over here or in parts of my family, there were more voices admiring his diplomatic achievements and intellectual contributions than criticizing aspects of his politics and actions, while, to be honest, others fiercely opposed my father, for example. However, I had the impression that the fact that he was born in Fürth in, in Germany, as you said, but he fled the Nazi regime with his family in 38, not only successfully settling in the US, but the fact that he studied at Harvard and then becoming a professor there and later consultant to various governments made many Germans here very proud. His rise to prominence in America and 
politics in, in the US might have been seen as a testament to the opportunities offered by uh, the United States to people from diverse backgrounds. And this admiration of a fellow German making it big time over there, it was tested over time. I think at least when I remember discussions that were going on in my family, mostly between my grandfather and my father, to be honest. Then again, Kissinger was a central figure in negotiations of several key international agreements, I think, uh, including uh, strategic arms limitation talks or SAALT, SALT, as it is sometimes shortened. Uh, with the Soviet Union and also the normalization of relations with China. So the admiration in my family, in my surrounding back here in Germany, it probably reached its height when he also was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. I think it was in 73. But then again, I mean, you mentioned it before. I have it in the back of my mind. His policies and actions, his policies and actions, particularly during the Vietnam War, they have been subject of criticism and controversy. So how do you see that, Dan? What's really important about Kissinger is to understand is, first and foremost, is his emphasis on power politics, more so than anything else. You know, the power, the influence that one can have. And I personally think, and I have mixed views on, on Kissinger, uh, very mixed views, But that was the driving force. He he appreciated to have the influence, the power to make decisions. And for the country, and obviously the United States being the leading de democracy uh, in the world, he found himself in, in that position and he used it very effectively. And with a president under Nixon, who had to deal with a lot during his administration, of course, with the Vietnam War and then with Watergate, and then moving on to Gerald Ford. So, He was really left in charge of the U.S. foreign policy at a very critical time in the Cold War. And they just deferred to him And while they were occupied with other things, especially during uh, Nixon's time in, in with Watergate. This is at a critical time when peace was being negotiated with the North Vietnamese. And that was all Kissinger. His accomplishments, the Paris Peace Accords of 1973, which he and his North Vietnamese counterpart won the Nobel Prize for. Now, his critics, though, would say that's the height of irony, <laughs> because that peace accord could have been done years before that, and he dragged it out. And by dragging it out, there were about 20,000 or more so U.S. soldiers who lost their lives, hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese who lost their lives, so much destruction happening over the course of two or three or four years, that it could have been ended sooner. The war actually didn't end in 73, of course. The peace accords were signed. We all remember those scenes of the U.S. departing Vietnam, not as victors or even uh, an honorable exit. It was a dishonorable exit uh, after that. So we, do not, we don't look at it from our point of view in the U.S. That Nobel Peace Prize really is very hollow in our perspective. There was hardly a peace. It really was just a temporary lull before the North Vietnamese overran the South Vietnamese government and took control of the whole country. So that doesn't ring true to us. So people nowadays who are talking about his, his legacy and are nostalgic for, for him and the length of his service and all that, I think you just got to put yourself back into those times and really feel like what, what really happened. And Because there were massive protests around the world, especially in the United States and in European capitals 
against the war. My brothers had numbers to be drafted. They just went to universities uh, first before if they, and then after university, they would have to have gone to Vietnam if the war lasted. So it was very much close to home. In fact, my town, for the size of town, had the highest per capita death rate in Vietnam. So it really was close to home. We had rows and rows in the cemetery of uh, American flag. It was quite real to us. And so when we see that and the price that we paid and for the U.S. to exit uh, in such a manner from that, with our tail between our, our legs in a way, just giving it over to North Vietnamese, that was a very hollow, I wouldn't call it a victory. It wasn't even a hollow truce. It was just a, we just succumbed to that and just let them get on with it. But his other parts that you mentioned here about his opening relations with China, I'll just say briefly, that was really driven by Nixon. Nixon really wanted something spectacular, something that he could point to, some accomplishment that he could take in to the uh, next election and for his own legacy. But Kissinger was there and worked very hard, very, very hard to implement. And so was it a success? In one hand, you could say, yes, he opened relations with uh, with China and to counter that with Russia. So, you know, we put ourselves in the middle and hopefully that we'd have good relations with both China and Russia better than those two had relations with themselves. And for a short time, in a sense, that worked. But it was very fleeting, I would say. And the other thing was, what was the drive, you know, the driving force of opening relations with China? Was that really just a big vanity project for Richard Nixon, you know, to really both electorally and for his own legacy? Because we were a very advanced industrialized country in comparison to China. And then once we opened up, you know, the school of thought that uh, goes around about this is that, you know, we helped them catch up to us to advance themselves and their society. So it, it's you can argue both sides of the track on this one as far as, yes, good to talk, good to have normalized relations with, with China, but who did it benefit more in the end? To me, it was obvious that it benefited China a lot more. So, and then detente uh, with the Soviet Union and the, the, those talks, that was his main success, more so than Vietnam, more so than shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East. Um, I would say that it kept the world safe from nuclear uh, destruction and it set down in writing uh, our relations with the Soviets and helped uh, avert uh, a disaster. So I think that was probably his his crowning glory. At least I have heard that critics assert that Kissinger justified and maybe also supported authoritarian regimes, particularly in South America as part of the United States Cold War strategy. Did you know about that when you were younger? Uh, how was your impression at the time? And has that somehow changed over the years? Kissinger was the main architect. Well, let's maybe back up a little bit first. He supported governments, including dictators or authoritarians, who really kept things stable within their country, regardless of their politics. That's what his, that's what Kissinger, and maybe it goes back to his time of living in Europe and being anti-communist himself. If any regime out there were against the communists, he was for them, regardless of their political stripe, whether they're authoritarian or nicely democratic or whatever. So we got into bed with a lot of nasty nasty governments. Uh, and one of them in particular that is worth noting is Chile when in, in 73, when uh, Allende was overthrown, a democratically elected government, socialist government that we did not approve of. Kissinger was really the main architect in that overthrow of Allende. And along with um, a general there who was supporting Allende, he was assassinated. 
So some really murky, dark things that that we were involved in, and that Kissinger really was the architect of of his overthrow. And the thing about it is, is that even some a couple of years later, I was in Washington. I was uh, covering foreign affairs on the House side, foreign relations on the Senate side, and I was attending meetings uh, about uh, our relations with Latin America. And that aspect of favoring governments, authoritarians, continued on throughout the 70s into the 80s. And we were favoring governments in El Salvador and these authoritarian regimes that had no respect for human rights. And they would claim that they would be democratic or anti-communist. So we supported them. And regardless of what violations of human rights they were causing and their own citizens suffering under those regimes. So it's difficult to to say that anything but a black mark uh, on our foreign policy, but he really favored stability. And regardless of the cost, regardless of the democratic values that we hold, or even the lives of the citizens of those countries in Central America. That's why his, his legacy is so mixed. Would you say that... Uh... Him getting the Nobel Peace Prize contradicted the principles of this award, given the association with actions that led to conflicts and human suffering. Almost, oh, most, most certainly, I would say. I mean, I think he even admitted that he was surprised that he got it, and his counterpart in uh, North Vietnam uh, refused as well. But I think he was surprised. But then, uh, as he went through the rest of his career, he justified it. He didn't. He didn't uh, dismiss it. In fact, he reveled in it. But We all thought that it was not deserved, especially given that he was bombing Cambodia and Laos, bombing North Vietnamese to bring them to the table. I know that's a, that's a tactic, but still the carpet bombing and the amount of, the amount of uh, tonnage of bombs that we dropped on uh, Cambodia and Laos was just horrific. And to say that a few years later, he gets the Nobel Peace Prize, um, as one critic said, it's the height of irony. Irony was dead after Kissinger won the, the Nobel Peace Prize. It's yeah, it's quite harsh, but you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Did he ever uh, face accusations of involvement in war crimes or human rights abuses? Have any allegations led to calls for legal action against Kissinger? Would you know about that? That's been talked about by his critics over the years. No, I, uh, it, it, never, it never reached the courts. It never reached The Hague or anything like that. It's so difficult to bring a leader. It has been done, of course, especially recently in um, Eastern Europe and uh, elsewhere in the Middle East with Saddam Hussein and things like that. But on the whole, no, no. He wasn't brought up in, on any charges or anything like that. It seems safe to say that Kissinger remains a polarizing figure in U.S. history, isn't it? So um, do you have anything good to say about him? I admire his statecraft, especially his uh, shuttle diplomacy, at least getting people to talk, trying to look for a stable situation in the Middle East. Uh, I admire his uh, negotiations in detente and salt negotiations with the Soviet Union. But the other ones, even the ones with uh, opening China, it's good to have good relations with a power like China, though to me it benefited that China far more than it benefited the United States. His other policies as far as Central America, which I just went through, no, that's not really what we're about. It's not It's not the American values that we hold dear that were on display there. So, But there were some things that point back that one could admire. But on the whole, it's a mixed picture. When you think in a couple of years or, you know, 10 or 20 years later than today, 
Um, what would you say that his legacy will be? Uh, people will probably still talk about him in some way or another. Do you think that the question, what would Kissinger do, for example, uh, might be a good one for the future of politics or are today's conflicts and probably futures conflicts too different, too complicated for any blueprinted pattern? I think the latter. I, I, I don't think the question comes up, what would Kissinger do or No, it's uh, he, and there won't be anyone like him, I don't think, for quite a long time, uh, because he held such power during the time he was in office. He had influence on presidents. You know, he was very good socially and being able to get access to other leaders, not just presidents, but other leaders around the world. So he really, because of his reputation, he leveraged that reputation throughout his the rest of his life. So he was in the game right up until his death. You know, he was giving a speech on AI just a few months back. So that shows you his breadth and his, his knowledge. But he really knew how to play power politics, as I said in the very beginning. That was really his strength. That's how what he knew. That's, that's what his insight really was, more so than supporting American values. Although I think the question could be, are you glad that he was on your side? And I'm thinking, that's a hard question in a way, in some respects, because was he the diplomat that I wanted? He did have a tremendous amount of skill. I was very encouraged. I felt good that he was negotiating with the Soviets at that time, that it was Kissinger doing that, because I think he brought strength into that those those negotiations. But it's a, certainly a mixed picture with, with other things that he's done. So I'm just clouded in my view of him. But... Yeah, I mean, it, he, he's he is in a, a a very uh you know this American dream kind of story of uh, a German coming over and fleeing the Nazis and coming and living the American dream and reaching the heights he did. It is impressive. It is impressive that that in itself. Yes, he certainly made mistakes as certain leaders like Churchill and what he what he said and what he did at the time. It's not all stars and stripes and, you know, wave the flag and be being patriotic and thinking these leaders can't do anything wrong. Well, they can do, and they did do things that were very wrong. You know, all leaders are pretty much like that in history that are, you have a hundred percent clean record. So it's not surprising. It's just that we expect more from our leaders than that. Well, you just said you're clouded um, in your mind about him. I am On the opposite side, uh, I, I learned so much now that I'm more enlightened I, and I'm intrigued to learn more about Kissinger. I mean, he seems to have been a larger-than-life figure anyway. And um, the fact that he was a German-born diplomat of the U.S., uh, involved in uh, dilemmas, ethical, questionable um, decisions makes me shiver, to be honest. It makes me a bit more ashamed, again, of my passport and my origin. Um, but on the other hand, I agree with you that uh, it is hard to have leaders there with a clean record. Uh, people do make mistakes. It's easier in retrospective to know better. I have learned so much in our conversation now that I'm probably going to dive more into Kissinger and the Cold War era because I think it's uh, good to know more about it. It's interesting. Probably we can learn a lot for the future by knowing about the history. Thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was good. Uh, you, ma you made me think about him even more <laughs> deeply and bringing up uh, 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 memories of him that I forgot. I forgot how I felt during that time. And so from our conversation, 
it's good to revisit and knowing what the truth is and how one one feels and being honest with oneself, uh, not just listening to broadcasters lauding on about some general or some politician that served their country for decades and decades. Well, we got to look at the truth of their, their record. And, and it's just good to know and just finding out what is the truth. And if it's honorable, say it's honorable. If it's not honorable, say it's not honorable. So that's my, that's my model. I'm very happy that I can pick your brain there. Because as I said before, I mean, the, the name is very familiar, uh, Kissinger, but uh, so it is so good to hear your view from over there, you know, because I only know what I've experienced here over here with my family, but I was a young child, so things are hazy, you know, and uh, so it's so good to talk to someone who actually, you know, experienced it, was there, and is over there as well. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. And thanks to you too, you listener. If you have feedback on the topic today or any of our previous episodes, please let us know on social media and our website overhereoverthere.org. So please don't forget to subscribe and tell everyone about this. So until next time, thank you for listening to Over Here, Over There. Hear you soon. Over here, over there.